Welcome to the pen and the yod. This week's Torah portion is Toldot. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshe Emmet Synagogue in Chicago sits down with author Jonathan Eig. Let's make a deal with God. I'll take what's up the ladder. Let's talk about quid pro quos. Much in the news. And much in the Torah. In the portion of Vayetze, Jacob goes out, flees really from his parents' home, and finds himself in the desert alone. And he is despondent. He only has a rock for a pillow. He goes to sleep. He has this wondrous dream of the ladder that extends to heaven, the angels who are ascending and descending, and the promise of God that he is going to be the progenitor, that he is the covenantal child, and that Jewish history, in a sense, this entire endeavor rests on his shoulders. And in this kind of wondrous moment, you can hear the violins in the background. Jacob then made a vow saying, if God remains with me, if he protects me on this journey that I'm making and gives me bread to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safe to my father's house, the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up as a pillar, shall be God's abode. And of all that you give me, I will set aside a tithe for you. So Jacob is the eternal deal maker, it would appear. Is this what you expect from one of our patriarchs? Yeah, I wonder, you know, quid pro quo is doing a favor and and expecting something in return. Does that diminish the favor? Does that diminish... Um, the, the deed that you're performing in the first place? If you should be faithful to God, do you need something in return? Do you need a promise? Well, I think it depends on if you look at it from a covenantal perspective. And maybe we ha- we're going to need to make a distinction along the way of what it means for a patriarch at the nexus of history and what it means on an everyday basis. So let's just look at it from Jacob's perspective. Things are not going well. He's shown a dream. He's shown the future. But how does he know this wasn't just a dream? How does he know that there's some reality to this? And maybe he says to to God, look, this is our covenant. This is our relationship. If this, then this. If you do this, then I will do that. So you're saying that the the quid pro quo is acceptable because it's important. If you were asking for God to deliver the bears a victory on Sunday, that wouldn't be be good. I think there are miracles that are even greater than God (laughs) in some cases, but I'll leave that to heaven. But what I am saying is that one of the distinctions that we might make here is what applies to the Jewish people as a whole and what applies to the momentary desires of Jonathan Eig. Okay, I'll I'll go with that. so you're saying um, because it's not selfish, then it's more acceptable? No, I think that the good and bad, the reward and punishment, is often understood in the Torah as a national one. Retribution is on a national, a reward is on a national basis. Whereas in our everyday lives, there are other issues that we have to look at. And and if you look at something like the book of Job, for instance, there you're going to find a story about an individual who suffers and doesn't have an answer why. The national issues, we talk about faith. We talk about whether we kept the covenant. At times, we call out God. That's a whole other arena. But I guess the question becomes, what does faith mean? And I think you touched on it. At the very beginning, if God is God, and if God is great, and if God is good, then shouldn't we just have faith in God and say, 
Whatever you do is the right thing. And you see people, when people are dealing with an illness and they pray, and you certainly see this a lot with the people you counsel, they pray and they ask to be healed, and prayer can be very powerful. But it's not conditional, right? Uh, We're not saying, if you do this for me, I'll come to shul every Shabbat, right? I think you're touching on something that's really very pertinent in every age, and and including our own. That It's easy for us to make the transition between this kind of national covenantal idea and the idea that if I do good things, then good things are going to happen to me. And if I do bad things, then bad things are going to happen. This is the conundrum that has plagued religion since the beginning of time. And if you then apply that to illness, then how many times do you hear people say, or listen, I'm a rabbi, so I hear this probably more than most, Rabbi, what did my mother do to deserve this? Right. And in this context, it's a good question. And again, the issue for Judaism is national versus individual. And as individuals, things do happen. Life is not always fair. And we have to kind of maintain, we maintain our faith even though. But here, if we drill down a little bit with Jacob and this national issue, I would suggest that the Jewish people take on, the prophets take this idea on in a different way. Basically, what Jacob's saying is, is if I don't live to tell the tale, then it's going to be your loss too, because there won't be a covenant. There won't be a light to the nations. There won't be a witness. So in a way, Jacob is saying, you have a responsibility to take care of us. You have a responsibility to make sure that I survive all this. Yeah, and and are we supposed to think that God needs that reminder? Or or is it really um, Jacob's way of feeling empowered, of feeling like God is his partner? Is it it really just for for Jacob's own sense of self-confidence? It is relational. I think it's really both. I don't think it's that hard to understand Jacob. Jacob is pretty, Abraham maybe not, but but Jacob for sure. You can sort of, he wears his emotions, he wears his thinking on his sleeve. It's right there. He has a dream. He has no idea if this is going to actually happen. Because when he wakes up from the dream, he's still alone in the desert with a rock for a pillow. Right. So thank you very much, but it's you know I still do, I still don't have anywhere to go. I don't really know what I'm doing out here. I'm still in a pretty terrible situation. You tell me, God. I, I'm telling you, I I need to survive. I'm afraid. So on one level, for sure. But on the other level, Jacob is testing this covenantal idea. You want to be in relationship, great, but the relationship has two sides to it. And you have a responsibility to us to maintain us and my descendants as well. And I think that's a very powerful idea. And it leads to a different type of relationship with God than other religions have. Why is it different? Because I think there are people in all religions that feel a sense of covenant or who feel that they are called to God to to, to act, to lead, to set their nation on a new course. Uh, what's different about I think Judaism? it's precisely the quid pro quo okay. that makes it different. I don't think that you will find prayers like this or vows like this in the Christian religion or in Islam, for sure. This notion that you can call God on the carpet, the fact that you can challenge God and say, hey, where's the fairness here? That is really not part of that, and it only can be understood through the through the lens of covenant. Other people don't have that lens. They have faith. What Islam is submission, right? 
Christianity is has one foot in this world and one foot in heaven. It's about God's grace and our acceptance of God's grace. But to pray to God and say, God, you didn't do this, and we're, we're asking, where are you? Such as in the martyrology prayer on, on Yom Kippur. These things I remember. Look what's happened. Where are you? Those are questions that I think and and this is what you owe me. Here's your promises. Let me list them for you. That's, in a sense, what Jacob's doing. And we do carry that on. And you're saying it goes back to the original pact, that because this was a partnership and not an order or not um, an, an epiphany, that this is a pact between two partners, that that changes the balance. That's exactly right. It's a two-way street. It's not just us being the light to the nations, the purveyors of Torah, the ones who engage with the tradition and keep the laws. It's more than that. You have to drill down a little bit more and say, this is relational. Who's going to praise you if we're not here? God, who's going to carry the flag that says there is a God in the world? And I think Jacob is really raising that question. And it's a, it's a very different type of relationship with God than, um, than we have I think for most non-Orthodox Jews today, ours is much more personal. When I pray, it's an intimate moment. I'm thinking about my own internal issues that I'm meditating within myself. And the prayer book is like broadcasting on another frequency. Yeah, I'm talking about me. And how many people, when they pray, are paying zero attention or very little attention to the words on the page? They read a little bit. And they say, and then they just say, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to think about what's important to me. I'm going to think about my family. I'm going to think about my, the health of my, my loved one. I'm going to think about the challenges before me. I'm going to think about the things I want to do better. And there is a place for that in Jewish prayer. But Jewish prayer is all about being reminded and reciting the hopes and dreams and the desires of the Jewish people. It's about Jerusalem. It's about the health and welfare of the Jewish people. It's the balance that I think we're missing today. I think we are in a very different place, and I think we would do much better if we could find that balance between the national and the individual. So you're saying that we've swung toward more of the individual prayer, that we are not embracing the bigger picture as much as perhaps we we could or should? I think that's correct. I think that's correct. And more, moreover, I don't know that we're willing to make demands on God. I think that um, people take the, uh, the tact of, God, I won't bother you if you won't bother me. Just let me live my life. I don't, please don't test me. Don't. As opposed to saying, what's my relationship? How do I connect? How do I align myself? Shabbat, in a way, is a day in which we not only sit at the table with our families, but we stop after a long week and we enjoy our relationship with God. There are questions to be asked, that's for sure. But in a way, Jacob is the prototype of who we are. He does, he's not afraid to question. And at the same time, he has a relationship with God where he can ask the questions. So when we think about quid pro quos, who would think about them without that relationship? If I don't have that relationship to begin with, where's the this for that? How do we understand that? Right, you have to have somebody to ask the favor of or to repay the favor. You have to have that relationship with somebody in order for there to be a quid pro quo in the first place. I think that's right. I think that's right. Too often, 
you know, we look at Torah as, you know, the deal that you couldn't turn down, right? Mm -hmm. The deal that you can't refuse. I don't think that's correct, especially today, because people are walking away from the deal. Yeah. Rather, it's to understand the balance of what does it mean to be part of this larger covenantal people? And where do I as an individual and my family fit into the structure? Those are the real questions I think that we have to ask ourselves. Oh, and uh, where's the ladder figure into this? What happens after you make this pact? Then you still have to climb the ladder? Does that mean that God doesn't climb the ladder for you? I think the ladder as an image is a really powerful one. Because what is a ladder? A ladder is something you have to climb up one rung at a time. And you may have to go down a rung and secure yourself before you go back up again. And in a sense, it's a really great metaphor for life. Because if the idea was just, Jacob, here's, the, here's, a, here's your route to heaven, there'd be an escalator. Right. But it's a ladder. And that ladder is really symbolic not only of our own lives, because there are difficult moments and there are wonderful moments of ascent, but it also it reflects our relationship with God. There are moments of great faith and wonder, and there are moments of deep questioning as well. So Jacob is the guy, in a way. He is the every Jew, right? He's, that, he's the person who is understandable, isn't always likable, but he asks the right questions. And we, as his descendants, because we are the children of Israel, we're doing the same thing. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you.